Good morning. Is this on? <laughs> um, you can turn the pad off. Sounds good. <laughs> so welcome to the love boat. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Um, so why don't we just pray? I know we just prayed, didn't we? But Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said where two or three are gathered in the midst, in your name, you are there in the midst of them. So Lord, we're here in your name, or at least I am. So Lord, I'm here in your name. Whoever else is here in your name, you said you would be in the midst of them. And so Lord, I ask that you would speak. Lord, I'm here standing here, but I don't have any agenda. Whatever I planned, I don't, that doesn't matter. You can have your way here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes. We ask for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. So, why don't we just jump in? I did not plan this earlier, but as we were worshiping, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, jump here. <laughs> um, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to start probably around verse, we'll start at verse 18. And while you're there, have your finger on, uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, it says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So the Apostle Paul was definitely a charismatic guy. <laughs> he said, I thank my God, I, I thank God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law, or in the Old Testament, is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. So the Apostle Paul is talking about, there was a scripture in the Old Testament where God said, move in a time and in a day where this will be the manifestation. And he said this is how he would speak to this generation. I think it's interesting that in the Old Testament there were six manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but God added two in the New Testament that were specifically for you and me. And he said, I'm going to speak to this generation. But he said, yet for all that they will not hear me. So he says in verse 24, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Do you know signs, or signs and wonders should follow those who believe? Isn't it Jesus that said, and these signs will follow those who believe? So I got a question. Are signs following you? He said, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So often we hide certain things out from the public because we don't want it to irk anybody. But he said, therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe but to unbelievers. I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up in a, um, with a dad who prayed for me all my life and he used to always, would never miss a Kenneth Copeland conference that was out here in Anaheim. But um, he got actually kicked out of catechism class because he grew up in a Lutheran school for asking questions. 
sincere questions. Like, the Bible says that God heals. Do we even believe in that? <laughs> Different questions like, the Bible says they spoke in other tongues. What is that? <laughs> he got kicked out of catechism class in like sixth grade for asking these questions. And so he actually got put off by that experience. That actually kind of caused him to walk away from following God for a long time until he was almost, I don't know, 26, 28. And so until... He was, he, w he was a carpenter. Well, he was a carpenter then, and I don't know what he was doing at the time, but he was working at somebody's house, and some lady walked up to him that he was working at her house, and she said, I was praying, God has not let me stop thinking about this since he talked to me. She, he, God said, give you this book. And so this book was titled, They Speak With Other Tongues. And it was like, to him, like, oh my goodness, that's something that I've been wondering about my entire life. And so for him, he, it didn't, uh, he doesn't, if you ask him, he doesn't remember anything that the book said, but it kind of started him on a journey like, what in the world is this? And um, so bottom line, like he heard a bunch of people say different things. Well, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit in this manifestation, well, why don't you just go sit in your room with your mouth open? <laughs> and different things and nothing kind of hit home but one day he was at a, a conference and Len Mink anybody know who Len Mink is he's a worship leader was leading worship and he just said some of you have been crying out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit some of you have been crying out for the manifestation of this gift in other tongues well God has heard your cry open your mouth and start speaking and they just all started worshiping and he just started my mom was standing right next to him and he just started speaking and and so God moved. And so that was in, I don't know, 88. I wasn't born yet. But when I was a little kid, I used to just be around my dad and just be with him going to the grocery store. And he would just, under his breath, just here and there, just pray in other tongues. And I just, as a little kid, I just looked at that and like, what the heck is that? <laughs> what in the world is he doing? But I couldn't explain it away. I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was a sign to those who do not believe. So when I hung a left all through high school and middle school and did my own thing, even though I was a Christian, if you asked me, and I just did, it wasn't, it wasn't real to me. It wasn't something that, it wasn't from my guts making me live that way. It was, yeah, I believe that Jesus died. What about it? <laughs> and, um, but I started, I, I always looked at that and I said, I can't explain that away. There has to be a God. And that was just something that for me was what I couldn't explain away. And so he said, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And my subject is not on speaking in other tongues. I'm actually going somewhere else, but this is the launching point that I want to um, go from. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but to those who believe. Have you ever gone up to somebody on the street and started prophesying over them and I have. Doesn't usually work very well. They're kind of, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> but he said, prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you are out of your mind? Yeah. <laughs> Will they not say you are out of your mind, but if all prophesy, he's talking about in church. He's talking about when believers come together. If all prophesy 
and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. This is the call of God, that God would be present with you, with you. We were talking about at Christmas, Christmas time, God with us. That is the call of God, that is his desire. He is desiring to be here with you today. And did you know, if we're gathered together in his name, he's here right now. And so flip over to the book of Revelation. Revelation, we're going to talk about the Laodicean church. It's been described by many, including in this room, the Laodicean church is the American church. And so if you flip over to the book of Revelation, it's chapter 3. Book of Revelation, chapter 3. And we'll start in verse 13. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Holy Spirit is desiring to speak to the churches. God wrote a letter to the churches and said, read it at all of them. The Revelation, there's literally a blessing that will come on your life for reading it. It's the only book in the Bible that says, blessed are those who read the, the words of this prophecy. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't, go read it. Because it literally said, your life will be blessed as a result of just reading it. So he said in verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel or messenger or pastor of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This will be Jesus speaking. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Oi is right. <laughs> he said, because you're not cold and you're not hot, I don't want anything to do with you. Is your Christian life cold or is it hot? Or is it lukewarm? Is it like I was where I, if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would say yes, but there was nothing about it more? Or are you like, I don't know, say, John, <laughs> who his life lived, I don't know, 90-something, 80-something, when he wrote this letter? All his life, he saw Jesus, uh, the loving Jesus. He was, the, he, John was known as the one who Jesus loved. The revelation that he had was the love of God for him. But yet, when you see the book of Revelation, he's sounding like Ezekiel. And I fell down like a dead man. And I saw him. He was not seeing the same Jesus that he saw when he was walking around. He was seeing Jesus high and lifted up, exalted on the throne, the Son of God. And so this Jesus says... So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
He says, you're trusting in these things. You may be well off financially. You don't have any needs that you can see. But he said, you are naked, wretched, and poor. Where's your trust? Their trust was in riches. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Rich toward God. How do you become rich toward God? You've been sanctified by his blood. You've been made righteous by the sacrifice that he made. By your faith in him, you are righteous, holy, and set apart. But either way, you still, we are still commissioned to go do good works. Not to save you, not to, do any, not to make you more pure, but he said, the works will set up eternity. He said, buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may, be, may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And I know history says that they were known for their wealth. They were known for their, their clothing um, that they were able to produce in Laodicea and they were known for this mask. Um, for I but it says in verse 19 as many as I love I rebuke and I chasten have you allowed the Lord to rebuke you and chasten you it may not be comfortable <laughs> but he said therefore be zealous and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come to him and dine with him and he with me so often we talk about the scripture to unbelievers and say, he is standing at the door knocking. He wants to come in. But right here, he's talking to a church. People who are Christians. People who have already said they believe in who he is. And he says, I'm on the outside knocking. Isn't that a fearful thing? It, 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 it sends, <laughs> sends some shivers down me. Can you be a Christian and God's on the outside of your life knocking and saying, let me in? He's saying to this church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. I always thought it was weird. Why did say, and dine with him? And dine with him. Come in intimacy. Come and have fellowship with him. Come and be among you. I will dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne and I, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's saying And so God is saying that to every believer. He wants to, he zealously wants to come in and be among us. He zealously wants to be here, walking among us. But our attention needs to be on him and needs to be on giving him place where he wants to do what he wants to do. We have to have the attitude, God, we want you to do it. We have to have an attitude that our lives are an altar of worship unto him. And everything that we do every single day, you are to offer sacrifices unto him. Praise is an offering. Your life is an offering. The things that you do in his name are an offering unto him and it's a sweet smelling sacrifice to him. And so we're just taking a trip through the Bible. 
But flip over to Acts, no, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just start in verse one. Um, we're not gonna get to where I want till, it may, till it's important till about verse 20 something, but it says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. Every single one of them that came out of Egypt had fellowship with God through the baptism that occurred or that happened to them. They all partook of the water that came from the rock. And he's saying that was Jesus. It was a type and a shadow of Jesus. Is today communion? <laughs> but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's crazy. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as also they lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and rose to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Wow. Have you ever seen, I, I know what 5,000 people looks like. What's 23? That's a football stadium. A football stadium of people died in one day. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain as those who also, who also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. That's the devil. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Do you know that we are in the last days? Do you know the number of prophetic words that were given about the last days? About Israel becoming a nation again? About Luke 21 says that generation who sees that happen will not pass away until all things are fulfilled. Last year was the 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation. Do you know the times that we live in? He said, all these were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. This is going to come across weird, but America is very idolatrous. <laughs> 
And you may think of idols as a little figurine, but idolatry is anything you lift up and raise as the destination you want to be. Sports is an idol. Money is an idol. Even the American dream can be called an idol. Think about it. <laughs> but he said, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Live unto him. Desire him to come in and walk among you. Lift him up. He said, I speak as, or as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. Even then, it was a hard saying. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Remember, he said, I will come and sup with him. I will come in and sup with you. He said, For we, though we are one bread and one body, we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not they who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? In the Old Testament, the priests and the Levites were commanded to share in the sacrifices that the people brought before the Lord. That was their portion. Oops. That was their portion. God separated them because of their zealousness to obey God when they came out of Israel. The day that that 3,000 died, they were the ones that killed them because they killed God. And that was God with that at that time. But the Levites, God said, observe Israel after the flesh. Are they not those who, are not those who eat the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That is an idol anything? Or what is offered to idols anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. The things which the Gentiles sacrifice are sacrificed unto demons, he says. I was reading a, um, oh, actually I wasn't reading, I was listening to uh, an audiobook by a guy written in like 200 AD. <laughs> it was a letter by a Christian um, writing a letter to the, the, who's the head guy of, no, it was the, not the Pope. It wasn't around then. <laughs> the Pope. Um, the Caesar of the time. And he was saying, these are the reasons you should not kill Christians. They are your, they are to your benefit, is, was his plea. But, over and over again, he went through a great long argument along, on the, along the lines of, like, you guys are sacrificing to demons. <laughs> and this is why. <laughs> this is why it's clear. It, it was a very interesting letter. Um, a friend of mine recommended it to me. He's into church history. But. So he says, you can't, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot have one foot over here and one foot over here and partake of what God wants to bring. You cannot fellowship with the devil and God at the same time. It is one foot in. One foot in means you don't have any feet in. It's all or nothing. 
God says. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. I want to come in and sup with you, he said. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. And that's the answer for everything. All things are lawful to you, but not all things are helpful in your walk with God. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful to me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any one of you do not believe, or who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. Because once you know it's sacrificed to devils, <laughs> it may not be good on your conscience. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of the, er, er, and for the si rewind. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience's sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its Conscience, I say, not to your own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I, an evil, why am I evil spoken of over the food which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Your life, everything you do, do it for his glory. So often, the things that we do we put ourselves in the way for glory. So often, the things that we do, we are looking for the attention. We are looking for the credit, and that's why we do them. If I'm doing it for the glory of God, I have to do it for the purpose of lifting him up. And whether or not I receive attention is, is not important. So often, those who glorify him will receive attention. Just like Peter and John, they healed a guy and they, like, the entire town saw them and said, how'd you do this? Whose name did you do this? Through. <laughs> God does not share his glory. If we are going to be known as a people where he walks among us, we have to be a people who seeks to glorify him. Charles so often says, because he's quoting Jesus, that, if I, that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He will draw all men to himself if I be lifted up. Yes, he was talking about going to heaven, but he's also talking about glorifying him. We need to lift him up in all that we do. Everything that we talk about, you can decide, I'm going to set him before me. I want to lift him up to those around me. Skip over to <clears throat> chapter 11. And go down to verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. So the Corinthians were known as a charismatic bunch. <laughs> they were known, like... The, he, he praised them and said, you come behind in no gift. Like God is moving among you, he said. 
but there were diff there was division at that church. So here's we're gonna read some of the things communion. Um, it says now in these giving instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for better but for worse. Did you know that there are churches, there are people, there are Christians who come together not for the better? They might as well have stayed at home. They might as well have stayed at home because it wasn't for the better. They weren't leaving edified, built up, closer to God, lifting him up, glorifying his name. They were coming together not for the better. And so he said, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. What was the dividing factor? People wanting attention. Wow, that's good. People wanting attention. People wanting to put themselves first. That's what caused vision. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He said, you're coming together, but you're not coming together to fellowship with him. You're not coming together to fellowship with him, he said. You're coming together for you. For in eating, verse 21, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night that he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. So there's no set guideline on how often you should do this. It's whenever you come together. As often as you come together. This is the cup of the new, or of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You are proclaiming his death. You are lifting up his glory. You are saying, Jesus, you did this for me. This is your glory. The glory of my king is that he bent low in the mud, died on a hill he created. Didn't we sing that earlier? He died on his own creation, shed his own blood, we are proclaiming his death until he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. When we come together for communion, it's a family meal. It's for the family. You can come together, someone's not, in the, so, like, he literally says, well, we'll keep on reading. For let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. What is judgment? What does judgment look like? It's not good, at least. <laughs> it's a family meal. There was a 
and um, there was a Bible study that I had, go- or that for Tommy and I had going on um, two years ago. And there was a guy who came. He was barely worked. He had a job, but um, last I heard, he was cross-dressing. <laughs> but um, he refused to take communion with, like, he ref- like every time, he just refused. And I, I'm sure that it's because of this. He went to church and all those different things, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying stay away from church. I'm saying become <laughs> the church. <laughs> and so, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep in death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. God wants to equip you, chasten you, to correct you, and position you for what would glorify him. And in that place of glorifying him, he meets needs. Um, Hold your finger here, but flip over to Psalms 91. When I was second, third grade, my dad used to go to this restaurant, and Charles, I think you went out to breakfast with him once or twice at this place, Benji's, over um, in Orange. It's a Jewish deli. (laughs) Um, Over on 17th Street. And so he'd go there every single morning. He was a superintendent at the time, and um, he would just, on purpose, take time out of his day to go read his Bible, just hang out with God, and so he was there with his Bible, and he just kind of tried to shut out everyone around him and (laughs) um, just read. And as he was reading, um, talking to God as he was reading, God spoke to him, and he said, read Psalms 91, or decree Psalms 91 over Aaron. I was (laughs) that big. And this happened for three months. Every time he went to go read, God spoke to him. Read Psalms 91 over Aaron. And so it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's the qualifier for the rest of the entire chapter. If you do not dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, everything that comes next does not apply to you. So he says, I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Have you ever seen anybody try to catch a bird? (laughs) He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Isn't this known as the military or the the soldier's chapter? He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Everything is beneath him that he's talking about. He will cover you. He will protect you. He will keep things away from you. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. I remember there was this one time I was, there was sickness all around me. <laughs> and I just went, I think I was starting to feel sick, and I just went to my room and just started saying, Lord, you said your truth shall be my shield and buckler. <laughs> And I didn't get sick. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, 
you know, pestilences walk where you can't see them. Germs, right? Nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. These are the blessings of God in your midst. These are the blessings of God overshadowing your life. If he is with you, if he is having communion with you, these are the blessings. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. He says all those things, the sickness, the destruction, the fear, the torment, that's the reward of the wicked, he says. It's not for you. It's not allotted to you. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. There it is again. Dwelling in his presence, yes. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. He's talking about demons. You do not have any need to be afraid of demons. You have authority over demons. Did you know that? You don't have to be afraid of bumps in the night. <laughs> you have a name. And that name is greater than every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, right? Because he has set his love upon me. Wow. This is God speaking. Because he has set his love upon me. You see, if you dwell in the secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you have set your love. That is a place of deep communion with him. He wants to fellowship, hang out, or be with you. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high because he has known my name. God will set you on high not so you can be glorified, not so you can receive attention, so he will be glorified because you dwell under him. You dwell in the secret place of the Most High where it doesn't matter. This right now, me preaching, I don't, this doesn't pull at my heart. I don't have to be up here. I, in fact, I was quite concerned about being up here today be <laughs> because this doesn't get me. Spending time with him gets me. Spending time daily in his presence before I get up in the morning, before I get out of my bedroom in the morning. <laughs> that is where I have my most enjoyment. I used to enjoy standing up here because I got the attention, but God didn't do anything. <laughs> it was just me talking. If I walk away and God's not doing anything, it's a waste. If I come and I speak to someone and God's not moving, it's a waste. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Six months ago, I was preaching at a mental hospital and there was this girl. She was, I think she was 18. She had just gotten, graduated high school and she had actually found out that she tried to murder someone. Um, and so she tried to murder someone. She had uh, anger problems, obviously. And... Um, 
also had severe Tourette's. So everybody knows Tourette's like you twitch and say weird things. Uh, so she asked me if I could pray for her that she would be delivered. And so I don't remember what I prayed. I just prayed that she would be delivered. And so six months go by and I went there about last month or no, yeah, last month, um, first or second week of the month, just because a, fr- a guy that was there called me and asked me if I could come. And so when I was there, she came and a bunch of other people came and she said that when I prayed that she got delivered she has not had Tourette's since then she is now taking the least amount possible of medications that are going to release her very soon and so but Jesus is the one I don't have an ounce of healing power in me (laughs) Jesus is the deliverer Jesus is the only one who can deliver you coming to him being overshadowed by him he will move to touch people. The most inhib- Jesus didn't just come to deal with sin. He died to free you from sin. He died to free you from you. He said, I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. God with you. I can't imagine anything greater. God with you. God with me. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, I used to be terrified of dying. After, after being saved, I was terrified of dying. I was sick. I was darn near, like I was going very much downhill with my health about five years ago. And I couldn't drive. I had to have my brother ship me around. Um, I'd go to work and I'd just have enough energy to work and then I'd just go home and crash on the couch. Like, and then I'd eat like an egg and rice. I was living off of eggs and rice and occasionally some red meat and a lot of legumes. <laughs> and I ate way too much of those things, but I, that's probably why I'm not as fond of them anymore. But um, I was terrified of dying. And so I kept going to this scripture, God, you said, God, you said with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You said, you called me and you told me I'd be going and doing certain things. God, you said. (laughs) And so I was not doing those things. And uh, he dealt with me. He said, go. I was weak. I couldn't. He said, go, preach my word. Go, talk to people about Jesus. Go, do what I said when you were 19 years old and you heard from me. He said, go to the lost sheep of the church, is what he said to me. He didn't say go to the world. He said, go to the lost sheep of the church. So everywhere that I find Christians who are not equipped, everywhere that I find Christians who do not know anything, that's where I feel called to go to. And so I was not doing that. And so he said, go, start talking to people. He told me, he reminded me about a testimony, Jody Osteen, Joel's mom. She had cancer in the 80s, 90s, and she was dying, 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 dying. And so God told her, go minister to the sick, pray for the sick, get up, go do stuff. And so when she obeyed God, God healed her. And so I I took that as my word from heaven. I said, okay, you said go, I'll go. And so I started going and God delivered my body. I was, um, I've told this story here before, well, over at VIP, but 
My dad laid hands on me one day. It was a very traumatic experience. <laughs> um, but I literally started convulsing, not like convulsing, I'm just like shaking uncontrollably. This, I had to go to the restroom. It was 1130 at night and my parents had gone to bed. I was 24 years old. I had to beg them to go drive me to the hospital because of how chaotic my body felt after that moment. And finally, I convinced them to go me to the hospital. And as I walked in the hospital doors, I felt a presence come off of my body and I was free from then forward. I was still weak. My body was weak. Uh, you can imagine not moving around much for like a year. Your body is And so I had to build up strength after that. But I was from that very moment. Um, I didn't finish my story in Psalms 91. <laughs> but as I was saying about Psalms 91, God told my dad, pray Psalms 91 over Aaron for months. Pray Psalms 91 over Aaron. And so one day, um, I was with my mom and we were at a, a grocery store. It's a little veggie place called Produce World by a Home Depot over in Orange. And um, I saw these coconuts. And as a little kid likes to shake things up, I just said, mom, buy the coconut. So, we, so dad can drill a hole in it and I can have the milk. Tastes gross, but it was just fun. But, um, so I convinced her to get the coconut and brought it home, waited for my dad to get home from work that night. And so he grabbed a drill, as every good contractor would, <laughs> and stuck it on a glass. And so he took the drill, went down, and I had my face right here. And it shattered right in my face shattered right in my face and hit glass hit me right there right there i would be blind today with the force that it hit me right there that day but god spoke to my dad and said pray psalms 91 over aaron for his keep charge over you and so the blessings of fellowshipping with him to him in the secret place, fellowshipping with him, coming to him. So often we go to him and we have our laundry list of prayer needs. That's not what he's talking about. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that is communion, that is fellowship. That's talking to him, asking questions, hanging out with him. He wants with you. It was funny, when I first started going to Victory years ago, and when I first got saved, God used to talk to me a lot. <laughs> I was working at a grocery store, and I would say, store? How am I on time? I'm out of time. But um, I was at the grocery store constantly. I'd do my work. I was 18, 19. And I would just read my Bible when I was done. The customers are right here. I'm just here reading. <laughs> and just talking to God the entire day. And there was just such a communion at the time. Where I knew his voice. I heard his, not audibly, obviously, but I heard him speaking to me. He would tell me things. He would tell me things that came to pass, different things that would happen in a couple of days. He told me things, and there was a communion with him. When I left the foundry um, and went over to my old, the church that I came from, um, where I spent eight something years, what's that? Victory. When I left Victory, sorry. There was no foundry at the time. When I left Victory, um, God still spoke, God still talked, but it wasn't the same. I got busy. I started going, I, everything was work, work, work. God showed me a lot of things from the Bible. It was obviously a deep word church, but 
um, there, I lost that fellowship time. And so something that struck me when I came back to the foundry is God started talking to me more again. <laughs> um, but it was also because I spent more time with him. God wants to fellowship with you. God wants to spend time with you. And so everything that we do here, if it's for our glory, if it's for anything but his, he, every, coming together with him is his desire. He wants to be here with you. He wants to be present here with you. All we have to do is give him opportunity. Yes. Amen? Who wants to close out in prayer? Me? You? Charles? Oh, me. Okay. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for what you desire to do. We thank you for communion with you. We thank you for the call to the secret place. And Lord, as we gather together, you said that at the signs of God being among us would be people falling down on their faces and saying, God is here, God is here. Only God could be here to, know, to do those things. And so Lord, when you start doing signs and wonders, when you start healing people, sitting in their chairs, when you start providing words of encouragement, when you start giving bits of information that no one could know, those are the signs of you here. Those are your desires. That is you ministering to us, but Lord, we must learn to minister to you. So often we just want you to minister to us without ever ministering to you. God, let our lives minister to you. Every day as we get up in the morning, as we go to bed at night, let us take time to minister to you. And so Lord, we repent of that today. We ask that you would have your place here in Jesus' name. Amen.